The COVID-19 numbers tell a story when you put them on a graph, and a lot of people have found that our daily graphs that we're posting have been very helpful. Today on Conversations with Clint, I'm joined by State Representative and Chairman of the Oversight Committee, Seth Grove, a true change maker here in the Commonwealth and the creator of these graphs uh, to talk about how important accurate numbers are. Thank you, Chairman, for joining us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Uh, so it's casual Friday, I take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, four days of session, man. Uh, I know I know golf opened today and a lot of people are out there golfing. I just wanted to wear a t-shirt. Like <laughs> after a while, ties, coat, like um, I get over it, man. Give me jeans and t-shirt. I'm a happy man. The face mask, so that's always fun. The face mask with the tie is. Yeah. I'll tell you what, people really enjoy my, my face mask because uh, my, my seat on the house floor is right next to a speaker. Um, so when people get up and speak, I'm on camera. So uh, people enjoy. So it's not only is it, I guess, safe health wise, but it also sends a great fashion statement. Yes, yes. You are you are always good for a good fashion statement. Uh, in yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like that time me and Jerry Knowles uh, wore the same outfit. <laughs> now Jerry's uh older gentleman and not known for his uh fashion ass so uh, I got uh, I got a lot of uh I got a lot of grief with that I also got a picture with it so it's forever forever going to be in the house archives <laughs> well let's jump right into it early yeah. on in this pandemic you you saw the need for accurate numbers and um and really putting those not just getting the numbers but then putting them into a graph that that tells the story i mean when, when you see the numbers yeah. it's one thing but if you put it on a graph it's so helpful for people to see the numbers talk a little bit about why you felt this was important and you and you really took on the initiative these are being shared all across the state yeah so when when we look at, at data and I love that. It, it tells a story, whether it's your finances uh, for this health numbers, for trying to find an epidemic. It's important to know where you're at, where you've been to formulate as best you can where you're going. Um, and from what we've seen from other countries, a lot of discussion around trends. What is the trend of the data showing us? So in order to build that trend, you need to build the entire storyline. So it's just not what happened from the prior day to today, but what has happened over the past week, past month, um, to help us make, make better informed decisions. Um, and two, I was just curious, how does this whole, how does the, how do the numbers, how are they gonna trend over time? Uh, what do those patterns look like? Um, and I, I actually did start, did some little stuff with, with county data as well. And then I'm like, yeah, for one person, doing statewide and county is, is a bit much. So I just focus on kind of the statewide to tell the Pennsylvania story, what we're all looking at together uh, as a state. Um, but data is, is so important and having the right data and making sure you have clean data um, because if you have to change your data, um, let's say after three weeks, you realize the data points wrong, it throws off your entire trend line. Um, which, which, and if you're basing actual decisions, I mean, we're, we're basing life and death decisions uh, and entire sectors of the economy are predicated on making sure we have the right data. Um, you know, if you get that wrong, uh, you may be making bad decisions moving forward. Right. That was one of the things that um, I want to talk about next. What are, what are you, what are you personally seeing? I mean, you're analyzing these numbers every day. 
what what are some trends that you're seeing? Um, mm -hmm. Some of the the maybe science or, or, or I'll say it's probably not the right word to use there, but like what what are what are the trends that you're seeing that would bring um, I don't want to say concerns or, or thoughts um, that you, that uh, that you've seen? Yeah, so you know statewide early on, I mean the, the, the number one you have to start with you know what was the goal of the quarantine, the stay at home orders? The goal was to bend the curve and not overwhelm our healthcare system because everybody was worried about Italy. We, we didn't want to turn into Italy, right? Where literally doctors are, are making split second decision of who they're going to save. Uh, do we save, do we have enough room for, for the cancer patient, the heart attack? We didn't want to put our doctors or our Medicare professionals in, in those positions. So we as a society, decided to self-quarantine, um, bend the curve, not overwhelm our healthcare systems. Um, in both cases, we, we were effective in doing that. You know, you saw the exponential growth growing in those charts at the beginning, and then you started to see that flat and that curve. And now, uh, if you're looking at the, that per capita, that smooth curve, you know, we bent that curve right about April 9th was the peak, and it's been on a downhill trajectory since then. Um, now, with new cases, it, it spikes, it goes up and down a little, um, which is expected. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not kind of taking over that high point. So we've seen a good slow curve downward trend. Um, what else are we seeing? We're seeing where, where hot spots are, you know, getting that data down to the zip code. We know in counties where those hot spots are, which also helps our, our emergency service, right? Uh, our firefighters, our EMS, our police, uh, allowing them to know where, where the hot spots are allows them to prepare better as well. Um, we're seeing data where fatalities are occurring, which is critically important because 63% are in long-term care facilities. You know, it's not out in the community. Um, if we ever get comorbidity, which is um, other ailments, included with COVID, which every other state's tracking but us, um, we'll start to see a better picture of individuals um, that have a lot of big comorbidities. So you're talking major heart, major lung issues. COVID-19 is attacking them and leading to fatalities in, in those individuals. Um, there's very few people with no comorbidities or possibly no known comorbidities that are passing away in Pennsylvania from COVID-19. So that's why data is so important because it lets, lets us know where the problems are, how to direct resources, right? We have finite resources. We have X amount of personal protection gear. We have X number of dollars. Where do we put those resources to do the best good? And what data is showing us is we need to help our long-term care facilities we need to ask, and, and these are heavily regulated, right? So Department of Health, um, Department of Human Services, Department of Aging, we have three agencies that look in on long-term care facilities. Uh, they have two sets of regulations, Department of Health, Department of Human Services regulations. Um, but yet we're seeing the greatest impact in these areas. A good example, Montgomery County, 63% their fatalities are from nursing homes wow. and they're a hot spot they have high numbers of individuals uh, who have uh, contracted COVID-19 uh, they were the original the original 
one or two cases in Pennsylvania came from Montgomery County. Um, so it helps us inform those decisions and, and let us know as policymakers, as the executive branch who, who has sole responsibility uh, under the declaration of, of, of um, trying to, to, to do the best job they can of, of, of directing resources, allows us to know what we need to do and where we need to put resources. Um, so it's critically data. Data is so important, uh, particularly building a trend line uh, to see when that curve happens, when the downward trajectory happens. Uh, so good data um, is so critically important. But it's so much more than just to identify the curve. Like that was what we were working on. We needed to see that. Yeah. But now you're right. It's where we direct those those resources. What areas mm -hmm. can start to open up safely yep. in a safe way that we need to so we don't have to worry about this area as much, but we do need to worry about this area a little bit more. Yeah. You know, that's that helps us as we design a plan, you know, mm -hmm. county by county, hopefully to to be able to start getting yeah. people back out to some sort of it won't be normal, but it will be a version our, our new normal for our temporary new normal. Um, temporary, temporary. I'm all about temporary new normal. Temporary um, new normal. <laughs> yeah. And and even when we look at the, the data, fatality data, you know, up in the kind of north central northwest areas even in the southwest there's counties that don't really have any major cases you're so rural you're like basically you're self-quarantining yourself because of how rural you are um how how spread out everyone is in those areas um and you know did they need to shut down to begin with you know these are all questions we can start discussing because we have data um and the more data you have the better you can see lines of transportation. How did it spread? What could we have done better so it didn't spread so quickly? Um, that's why tracking data from the very beginning and make sure you have good, accurate data and build on it as it as it as it comes in. Because you may start seeing different data models and some 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 different data sources coming in. Uh, making sure you you bring those into the decision making, um, but in a way that also doesn't erode your your data you already collected. Um, right. So let's talk a little bit about recoveries. Um, I I know this has been something that I've been getting hit on in our office a lot. People want to know, like, so the the new cases line will is always going up. I had somebody reach out and they said, Clint, like the new, what are you guys doing? The new cases is going up. It's always going up, <laughs> unless you're comparing that to something else it will always go up. Like if you insert mm -hmm. one new case, it's going to go up. It can't, yeah. it has no way to go down um, in the in the graph. So mm -hmm. you have to start tracking additional information. And now that we're in week, was this week seven, I think, seven. Yeah. Here, mm -hmm. like, that That is so helpful. We need to be able to figure out, now I get it. You were on, they uh, had a report on Fox 43, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday, yeah. Um, about your, your graphs and recoveries. Mm -hmm. and, so there are a number of people that are looking for ways to track this, but the Department of yeah. Health is just basically saying they don't really want to touch that. No. That's so helpful. We need that number because mm -hmm. like a county like ours right now, I think Tioga County is at 16, uh, Potter's at four. Potter's been at four for several weeks now, I believe. And so we don't know where what the case is with those four folks, but th they literally could all be recovered and there could be no active cases there, at least that have gone through the testing process or, or been to the extent that they needed to go through the testing process. So it's, 
I don't know how we get there, but you came up with a way and you're starting to track that now in, in a graph that, that's being put out there. You got a little bit of heat from it. Um, <laughs> you definitely uh, got through to the secretary. I saw that mm -hmm. and had to answer some questions about recovery, which is good. I mean, yeah. if nothing else, you, you've moved the conversation along. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, we. I think all of us have had that that same question. What about the recoveries? Because we track fatalities, we track new ca cases, and then there's this gap, right? What happens to these people? They're not in purgatory. They're not continually sick. They're certainly not dead. What are they? And at some point you have to do it. So looking around like John Hopkins tracks recoveries for every state. Their model is they take press releases from hospitals and they add it up. So, and hospitals release that. I just saw one, uh, we had a hospital in Pennsylvania release their 500th recovery. So people are recovering. Lots of people are recovering. We have people that haven't even been tested that aren't on the new case list or the total case list that have gotten and recovered that we're never gonna know about. So that's a problem too. Um, but within this, I got the same questions. When are we gonna see recoveries? When are we gonna see recoveries? One week passed, two week passed, three week passed, finally four weeks passed. And all the data and all the discussion was around, you know, um, we need to see in two week trend lines because this, this takes about on average 14 days to go through to incubate and be done, right? So that's where the, the first two week quarantine came from, right? Because they're like, we need to, to slow the growth or in quarantine for initial 14 days to stop the growth. 14 turned into a month and here we are, May 1st, still quote under quarantine. Um, so when I developed my model, I basically said, you know, everybody use that 14 day when you're at home recovering. Now, some, some may take shorter. I've seen as little as two days recovery time. I've seen longer. If you go to the hospital and you're on a ventilator, it's going to be lo probably longer than 14 days for you to recover and come out of the hospital. And you still might need to recover at home for a little bit. So what's the best way to do it? So I just basically took those 14 days. So I took cases that were 14 days old and basically said, if you haven't died, you're recovered. And that's how I simply built a model to at least reflect some way that we have had recoveries because we cannot continue talking about fatalities and worst case scenarios and overrun healthcare systems because you know what we haven't had the projected number of deaths that they originally projected we haven't had our overrun of hospitals so we have some really good news we had some fatalities that are awful you know no one wants to see anybody die um but at the same time, we don't have the big numbers they were talking about. We didn't have an overrun and we have people surviving. There are recoveries that we can talk about. Um, at first, Department of Health initially said they couldn't do recoveries uh, because it was a HIPAA violation. Well, if that's a HIPAA violation, can you talk about people being hospitalized? Because you're giving us aggregate numbers on people who have been hospitalized. So then it switched. Well, yeah, we're not really tracking that. Well, other states are tracking that. You can go to a lot of states and figure out their recovery. Um, one, a great state who has robust data is Florida. 
Every day they update a 500 page document. They list every single person who has been tested positive for COVID. They don't have their name. They have their date of birth. They have their location. They have where they've traveled to in the past two weeks. So they have foreign countries all around Florida, Texas, United States. They have where they where they traveled. They have the date they were confirmed. Um, if they pass away, they have a date of death on there. For each county, they have a breakdown of the county, how many people have it. They have a chart showing how many people have different symptoms per county. And they update that every single day. Now, if, if that's one state doing it, and they're doing it great. I mean, they're getting all this data to help them build a profile of what COVID looks like in their state, where it's going, where it's being transmitted, um, what kind of dem demographics, what kind of comorbidity, what kind of symptoms. They're tracking all of that. There is no reason our state is so far behind. Um, so it's frustrating um, to see other states have all this data. They're making all these decisions on, and we're, we're still trailing it. Um, and it, it's in one spot. You can go to one spot and find it. Where you go to DHS, you have data everywhere. Um, so it, it's pretty frustrating on the, on, on the data point. And uh, the fact that there's no way of getting, like, we, we regulate hospitals. Department of Health is in contact with them. There's no reason they can't get an update from every hospital of recoveries. Did you have one? Did you release it? Hospitals are easy. Um, you know, they created a snitch portal. Use taxpayer dollars. They have taxpayer resources, individuals following up on that. Instead of doing that, can you follow up with the patients at home? After maybe once a week, check up. How are you feeling? Are you recovered? Do you still have symptoms? And guess what? I don't have any symptoms. Recovery. Couple minute phone call per person. You can knock it out. Um, so these are the frustrating things we're seeing that we're just not getting data on that other states are and we could be getting data on. There's a lot of furloughed employees right now. Um, you can get them back to work um, and, and making these calls on a day-to-day -day basis uh, just to follow up. And, you know, I, it's, a, it's a human thing to, hey, this is the Department of State. We want to know how you're doing, you know. Are, are you still having symptoms? Are you recovered, you know. Those are the kind of things we, we should be tracking and we should know about. Uh, comorbidity. They have data on it. They absolutely have data on comorbidity. But for whatever reason, they're just not releasing it. Why? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, Chairman Grove, I really appreciate your leadership on this. You have uh, you have really been um, out there, you know, leading leading on this, and that's what's so important right now in helping people see that picture of where we're at. And um, and and I'm I'm with you on the recovery thing. That that's that's got to be reported. It's got to be part of what we we put out there because. Like you said, we're, we're, we're recommending, you know, how we're going to move forward. And that's if we're basing it on data. We got to have it all. And I know Amen. the whole, the death uh, data, you know, controversy mm. with the coroners. I mean, that was, that was a big deal. And where we yeah. reported a bunch of deaths and then we took them off and now they're not, mm -hmm. they're not in there. And, and ha ha who, who specifically dies of COVID, you know, if they, if they, I asked my, my coroner when I called him, I said, Hey, so I have a question. So if, if I come down with COVID, God forbid, and I get sick, I go home quarantine for 14 days, I get better. 
and in two weeks I have a heart attack while playing basketball with my son, what what would you say I died from? And he said, oh, I'd say you're you died of a heart attack, but I would be required to put in there as you know COVID maybe or contributed or it was in your you had a test in the past for COVID. So now that death would be recorded as a COVID, even though it was very through the autopsy, even though he's like, I would definitely say you had a heart attack, you ate too much beef jerky, you know, or whatever. And that's and that's what's when you start hearing stories like that, you start to wonder like those how that data is being even what's being put into it makes you start to wonder a little bit about are the numbers even what they might seem? Yeah, particularly if you're trying to build the trend, right? So if, if you have a trend and midway through you change how you collect data and what you're collecting data on, it skews all that old trend is now out, out, the, out the door and you're starting a whole new trend line from this point forward. Um, they did the same thing with new cases. So they had presumed cases and confirmed cases. They merged the two together. Well, a presumed case is confirmed. So if that person is never confirmed as having COVID, they shouldn't be under cases or new cases. And that's scary because new cases is how they um, are, are making a lot of decisions. Opening right. up counties or regions, the, the big one they use is new cases. So if they're lumping all these presumed cases that aren't confirmed with that, they're making decisions um, on, on bad data. Um, and you can track presumed and confirmed simultaneously because eventually they'll merge, right? As soon as you're confirmed, you go into the, the new case list. Um, it's not hard to keep those two separate, which gives you a much clearer and much more accurate picture through, throughout the entire and allows you to make better informed decisions moving forward. Um, so, so that kind of stuff is great. And I applaud the, the, the coroners for coming forward and bring that to people's attentions because it forced the administration to redo how they do their deaths. Unfortunately, they didn't backtrack it. Um, they just did it from a point forward. So if you see on the charts, you have this huge jump or huge decline in deaths. You know, I enjoy zombie movies. It looked like they created like 201 zombies, um, undead people, but they just removed them from the list because they couldn't confirm that they actually had it. Um, and then they added, uh, was it yesterday or the day before, they added like 200 new debt fatalities um, because they were reconciling data sources. I mean, those kind of data dumps really, really skew trend lines a lot. So having accurate end of the day counts um, and building that trend is, is very, very important to make decisions. So if you're making decisions on bad data, you make bad decisions. Garbage in is garbage out. So um, it, it, it's something I think we need to focus on legislatively requiring much better data, much better connectivity between Department of Health and dive in and just ask the hard question. I don't, I don't really actually think it's that hard. Just what happened? Why couldn't you track good data like other states? And what do we need to do to supply you uh, with the ability to do that? Well, with your leadership and your committee, you know, you'll be able to hopefully continue to work on that. We appreciate mm -hmm. your leadership. That's what we as legislators are here to do is to take mm -hmm. these messages with us to Harrisburg, things that we're seeing, um, things that we're hearing in our communities. And that's what's uh, so important, but that's all the time that we have. And 
uh, for today. And I want to thank you, Chairman Grove, for being a true change maker, taking this challenge on. Um, you're benefiting your community and your commonwealth and your country by doing this. And um, we need to continue to see these numbers. Um, it's so helpful for us. So I hope you have a great day and a great hey, you weekend. You too. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. So that's all of the time we have for today's Conversations with Clint. Join us next week for another edition of Conversations.